There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Blacks. Wildly, deliciously organic. A rich, smooth, and truly delicious chocolate experience. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. It's beginning to look an awful lot like Christmas. Yes, uh, it's here. The last couple of weeks have gone by in such a blur. And now this very different Christmas is upon us. We hope here on the Women's Podcast that you are going to be able to take a break over the next few days. We hope you're going to be able to safely spend time with family and that even though none of us, none of us this time last year could have expected that we were going to have this very strange Christmas, it can still feel like the Christmases we knew as children um, and as adults, the Christmases that we love and that bring us together and give us so much joy. The pandemic can't take everything away there still be chocolate oranges and puddings on fire and the laughter of children and wrapping paper everywhere and turkey sandwiches with pickle and all the things, like I said, the pandemic could not take away. And let's revel in those things because we've sacrificed a lot, but we can come together in whatever way that's safe this time and we really need to. And what we also need at Christmas, I think, is comfort. We need to be comforted at Christmas this year more perhaps than any other year. And when I think of comforting stories, I think of marvellous Maeve Binchy, who wrote so many beautiful Christmas stories over the years for the Irish Times. So we were wondering what to do for this Christmas Eve episode and then we just decided to keep it really simple. And I'm just going to read one of Maeve's wonderful stories. So... Get your wrapping paper and scissors and sellotape and do some last minute wrapping up or take yourself out for a walk or snuggle under a blanket by the fire. Do whatever you like. Get yourself comfortable and listen to the words of the amazing Maeve Binchy and her story that was published in the Irish Times in Christmas 1984. Mrs Doyle used to begin fussing around October. There was so much to do. The Christmas cakes, the puddings, getting everything out. It drove her children up the wall and down again, particularly since they weren't children anymore. They were grown-ups. It would start when she realised that she had lost Theodora's recipe for the cake and everything would be turned out on the table. This would reveal new horrors. Letters not replied to, knitting patterns which had been promised to friends... All was in disorder, all was confusion, and the very mess that was created served as further proof of how much there was to be done. 
I bought her an album for her recipes, wailed Brenda. I even started clipping them out and putting them in for her, but she actually takes them out again and loses them. It's too bad. Brenda's own flat was something that a business efficiency expert would envy. She was always able to retrieve Theodora's recipe for the cake or the latest posting dates to America. She would photocopy them for her mother, but it only seemed to add to the fuss. Mrs Doyle would speculate about where she could possibly have put the originals. Her other daughter, Cathy, used to have to lie down with cold compresses on her eyes after an hour of Mrs Doyle's fussing about the Christmas dinner. To Cathy, it was the simplest meal in the whole year. You put a bird into the oven and when it was cooked, you took it out and carved it and ate it. There were potatoes, sprouts, bread sauce and stuffing to consider, but honestly... Unless you were about to throw in the towel, you shouldn't be frightened of that lot. Mrs Doyle would go through her schedule over and over, planning all she should do the night before and what time she should get up. It was as if she were in charge of a mission control in Cape Kennedy instead of lunch for her two daughters and son and two extra spouses. It was a meal for six, not a space shuttle. Michael Doyle said that he sometimes wanted to lie down on the floor and not get up until Christmas was over when his mother began to talk about the cost of everything. In vain, he would urge her not to worry about the price of things. She only had to pay for a turkey and some vegetables. She would have made the pudding and cake well in advance. Brenda, Cathy and Michael provided all the wine and the liqueur chocolates, the little extras like a tin of biscuits or packet of crisps or a spare set of lights for the Christmas tree to cope with the annual failure of the bulbs to glow. They all went away drained, back to their houses, weary and tense, the spirit of Christmas snuffed out by the buzzing and bustling of the woman who was unable to relax and enjoy the family that gathered around her for Christmas Day. It was Brenda who decided that this year should be different. Brenda was single and successful at her work and allowed to be a little more bossy than the others. In fact, it was a role she was almost meant to play and this year she played it for all it was worth. Cathy had a small baby to think of, a gorgeous five-month-old boy who would be no trouble to anyone who would sleep peacefully through the hurricane of fuss downstairs if only Mrs Doyle would allow him to. Cathy was tired this year, unused to the wakeful nights. She should not have to go through all this business with their mother. And Michael's wife, Rose, was pregnant, so she too would not have to be brought up to high dough by this restless, unsettling atmosphere. She should be allowed tranquility and a chance to talk about birth and babies to her sister-in-law, Cathy. In September, Brenda decided on her plan of action. They told Mrs Doyle that as a treat, they would cook the Christmas meal. Cathy would make the cake, Rose would make the puddings, and on the day, Brenda could cook the main course. Mrs Doyle was to put her feet up. They would find a Christmas tree for her and decorate it. They would even buy her Christmas cards well in advance and get the stamps so she did not have to queue for hours at the post office. Mrs Doyle protested. No, they all said, you've been doing it long enough for us. Just this once, for a change, let us do it instead. Coming up to Christmas, they wondered why this had never occurred to them before. Mrs Doyle was calmer than any of them remembered her having been in her whole life. 
Sometimes she would begin sentences of urgency, but then she would remember that she had no great onerous duties this year, so she would fall silent again. They all lived near enough for her to have a visit from one of them almost every day, and Brenda, Cathy and Michael congratulated themselves and each other on having reduced the level of fuss by 80%. She still worried about icy roads and whether she'd put enough stamps on the calendar she had sent to her cousin, but that kind of thing was just literally uncurable. They had cured all that was available for cure. On Christmas Eve, the house looked festive. They put up the tree, bigger and much better decorated than before. Michael and Brenda had enjoyed doing that. They laughed and poured themselves small vodka and oranges. It was like being children again. Cathy had come and decorated the room with holly. Brian had tacked the holly up high so that it didn't fall down and scrape people's foreheads as often happened when Mrs Doyle had tried to shove small spiky bits behind pictures. They had brought cheerful red paper napkins and colourful crackers. Michael had seen to it that there was plenty of briquettes to keep the fire going and an extra box of fire lighters. They had set the table for lunch before they left. They kissed Mrs Doyle and looked forward to the happiest Christmas yet. She walked around the warm, neat house. Brenda had taken the opportunity of doing a little tidying as well as just getting things ready for the next day's meal. The saucepans that held the potatoes and sprouts were shinier. The turkey with its chestnut stuffing and sausage meat stuffing as well was covered with foil. She was to put it in the oven at 11am. That was all she had to do. Perhaps she might look through that kitchen drawer and sort out some of those old recipes. It would please Brenda to see them in that album. But fancy that! Brenda had already stuck them in for her. The drawers were suspiciously tidy and though she couldn't actually pinpoint anything that was missing, she felt that a lot of things must have been thrown out. She would tidy up the food cupboard so that it would impress them when they helped with the washing up. It was very tidy actually and nice clean paper lining the shelves. That was new, surely. Yes, that must have been what Cathy and Rose were doing as they laughed about babies and backache and insisted that Mrs Doyle sit in at the fire out of the way. And her tea towels had all been washed and were stretched over chairs so that they would be crisp and dry for tomorrow and a tray had been set for her own breakfast, the boiled egg she would have when she came back from Mass and waited for them to come. Waited, doing nothing, after she had made the big journey to the oven to put in the turkey at 11am. The day would be so peaceful compared to other years. They were very good to her, her children. Very good indeed. She sat down by the fire and thought about Jim. She even took down his photograph from the mantelpiece and looked at it hard. This was her twelfth Christmas without him. He would only be 62 if he were alive, the same age as she was. It wasn't old. A lot of their friends had been older than they were and both husband and wife were still alive. It was far too young to have been 12 years a widow at 62. James shouldn't have died like that. They had hardly any time to say anything to each other and he was gone. Her eyes filled with tears as she heard carol singers going by. Christmas was very hard on widows and people who lived alone. She was determined not to let her eyes get puffy for tomorrow. Her daughters would peer at her suspiciously and interrogate her. 
No, she would remember the good bits of when Jim was alive, how excited he had been when the children were born, how he had bought drinks for total strangers when his first daughter arrived and ran around to the neighbours knocking on their windows at the birth of his first son, how he told everyone of their successes, the numbers of honours in the inter and the leaving, the unfairness of Michael not getting that job because of somebody else's pull. She would think of him coming back from work laughing. She wouldn't think of those last months with the pain and the bewilderment in his eyes and the constant question and the constant lying reply, of course you're not going to die, Jim. Don't be ridiculous. Somehow, this Christmas, it was harder to put things out of her mind. She couldn't think why, but it was. They arrived arms full of presents. Up and down the street, people saw that Mrs Doyle was loved and cared for by her children. They saw she had a bright Christmas tree in her window and they may even have noticed that her brasses were nice and shiny. Brenda had given them a surreptitious rub when her mother wasn't looking. The lunch was effortless. Their mother sat in her chair. The baby upstairs slept happily through it all. And Michael and Rose talked happily of next Christmas when their own baby would come to the feast. Brenda was the life and soul of the party and said that she had serious designs on a widower who had recently come to the office. And if she played her cards right, she might bring him home for Christmas next year. They all agreed that it had been the happiest Christmas they had spent since your father died. Mrs Doyle said. Of course, Michael said hastily. Naturally, we meant that, Cathy said. Obviously, since Daddy died, that's what we meant, Brenda said. They were surprised. Normally, she never mentioned Daddy at Christmas, but she didn't seem upset. It was as if she was saying it for the record. This time, they didn't all rush home. The washing up was done in relays and others staying by the big roaring fire talking to Mrs Doyle. There was some television viewing, a walk for everyone except Catherine and Rose, who minded one baby and talked about the next. There was tea and cake, and much later, a small plate of cold turkey and some of Brenda's excellent homemade bread. They all said he would be a lucky widower if Brenda trapped him. They were gone, and the house was warm and tidy still. The wrapping paper had been folded up and stored in the bottom of the dresser. Mrs Doyle could never decide other years whether they should keep it or not. This year the decision had been made for her. Her presents were all on the sideboard. Perfume, talcum powder, a pen and pencil set, a subscription to a magazine, a hand-embroidered cover of the RTE Guide, a bottle of oranges and Grand Marnier, gifts to a woman who was always remembered at Christmas. Why did they make her feel a little uneasy? Perhaps it was the list beside them. Brenda had written out who had given her what, so that there would be no confusion. Brenda had said, when writing to thank. Well, yes, it was useful, of course, but she was 62, not 92. They didn't have to put a bib around her neck and feed her. They didn't talk baby language to her. Why write down who gave her what? She had little enough to hold in her mind today. She might have enjoyed thinking over who gave which gift. Normally, Mrs Doyle went to bed exhausted on Christmas night. This year, she sat on long at the fireplace and took down the picture of Jim again and wondered why, if God was so good, like the priest had said this morning, 
he had let Jim suffer for all those months and be so frightened and then let him die. She found no answer to this problem, only guilt at thinking badly of God. She went to bed and lay with her eyes open in the dark for what felt like a long time. They all dropped in over Christmas week. This had always been the way they would pop in and out as they felt like it. Usually she would fuss and say she had been about to make scones, but this year it was organised like some military campaign. When Rose and Michael came in the morning, they took her a plate of ham sandwiches, just in case anybody dropped in. Then when Cathy and Brian came in the afternoon, hey presto, there was their tea. And Cathy brought a bottle of something that was lemon and cloves and whiskey, so you just added hot water. So lo and behold, when Brenda came by, there was a nice unusual little snack for her to try. But they all thought that something was wrong somewhere. Their mother was too quiet. It wasn't natural for her to be so quiet. She didn't speak until someone spoke to her. She didn't have any views or complaints or in fact anything at all much to say. They conferred with each other. It didn't look like flu. She assured them she had no pains and aches. They began to notice it on Stevens's day and then on Thursday it was still there. By Saturday she was positively taciturn. Brenda worked it out. She had nothing to fuss about but she also had nothing to do. The central core of their mother's life had become fuss, like the epicentre of a hurricane. Take that away and she was left with nothing. The others worried that Brenda was being too extreme. After all, it had been a wonderful Christmas. For us, Brenda said darkly, for us it was. On Saturday afternoon, she called to see her mother. She had given her no warning and there was nothing prepared. She waited patiently until her mother revved up the fussing batteries and got into the mood where she would sigh and groan and complain about shops being open and not being open and how you never knew which they would be. Brenda nodded in sympathy. She did not produce food from her own well-stocked freezer and larder as she had been about to do. She allowed the fuss to blow up into a good-sized storm. Then she played her trump card. Are you going to the sales? she asked. They're always so crowded, so hard to decide what to get. Mrs Doyle showed a flicker of enthusiasm. I don't know why we do it, Brenda said. They're real torture, but on the other hand, there are great bargains. Now, would you think that it's best to go in first thing or on the very first morning with the queues, or do you think that it's better to wait till the rush has died down a bit? She was rewarded. Life, a sort of life, had come back to Mrs Doyle's face again. She entered eagerly into the confusion of it all, the exhaustion, the value and the lack of value, the problem of knowing what was rubbish just brought in for the sale and what was a genuine bargain. And as she went to rummage and find the pieces of paper she had cut out during the year about things that would be good value if they were reduced by a third, Brenda sighed and realised that the season of fuss had returned and all was well again, despite the setback of the perfect Christmas. Oh, Maeve Binchy, she just does it for me. And I hope you found that comforting and enjoyable. And we wish you such a joyful, peaceful, safe, merry Christmas that I think we all deserve more than ever. And I hope you can have that and access that joy 
No matter what difficulties and challenges you've experienced during the year, and I know you've experienced so many. So that's it for me for today. Have a lovely Christmas Eve, a brilliant Christmas day and and a really nice break over this time. And we'll talk to you again for Monday's episode. But until then, the podcast was produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Jennifer Ryan and by Suzanne Brennan and by that very sound man on sound, JJ Vernon. We all wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Stay safe and I'll talk to you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.